pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Greetings and welcome back to your Kinetically podcast for manifesting and attracting your abundant life. So glad to have all of you back with us today. So glad to be back with you today. If you'd like to receive an occasional encouraging text message from me. It is a text. you got to say that fast. <laughs> text the word Kinetic to 844-844-0049. StephenCanyon.com is the website. Follow us on Instagram at Stephen Canyon and make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you will know. Rather than hanging out to just see when, you will be notified when we drop a new episode, <laughs> new podcast. Hello, Miss Maggie. Hello. It's like Hi. we should have opened the program with, you know, like the boys are back in town or something. <laughs> it's just been so long. <laughs> That's pretty good. All There you are, my perseverant, caring, loving, generous, full of integrity, forgiving, self-forgiving, excuse-free, confident, beautiful within and without Mrs. Maggie Canyon. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, Where is this coming it's from? It's this Earl Grey tea, I think. Okay. Thank, oh, by the way, thank you for it. Ditto. All that right back at you. Thank you. Or your or your niece would say. Uh, she would go, oh, same. <laughs> Love no that. matter what you say. No matter what, oh, yeah. She'll, she, she'll always be your wingman, you know, agreeing with you. Speaking of your niece, well, that was fun, visiting with family for a hot minute. It was awesome. It was so much fun. <sighs> well, it was a pass-through, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Just, it was. You know, sometimes it seems like visiting with some old acquaintances is about like... Uh, Chevy Chase in his vacation movie where he's stopping to look at the Grand Canyon. Uh, I yes. see you. Okay, there you are. <laughs> I Bye. seen it. <laughs> I seen you. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, it was really sweet, well, and and you know we never we don't do that that often. <laughs> so I'm glad we took some time. It has been a while. Yeah. we've been out out west and out east and out north. <laughs> and <laughs> and we've been out, out south. We've been out south. Oh, that's and, funny. But. Back in town, we had to pass through yeah. and spend just a few minutes. That's where we've been, by the way. And I think last time we were here, we we said, well, we, we, we will be back once a week, and it's been a couple of weeks. Well, I have to say that when you visit family, it's always sort of this domino effect. You know, you visit one person, and then you're you know, now obligated to visit like 30 people <laughs> because right. they're going to talk to each other. And then you're visiting with the, the neighbors of the neighbors of the family. Oh, yeah. No, cousins you didn't know you had. <laughs> but, but that's all okay. But well, I yeah, have it's missed so our, sweet. our real family, the KBs. The hey, everybody family. all over the world. Hello. Hi, you guys. We're back, man. Thank you for, and so many people were, I guess, concerned and, and some not so concerned. We were getting emails and, <laughs> and not and messages like uh where are you guys yeah yeah this is this is weird well we are we are usually pretty pretty good about telling everyone our plans and where we're going and what we're doing but i have to say we we didn't anticipate uh a lot of this you know off time so well it's it's like you said it's sort of like pulling a thread isn't it yes on the sweater family tapestry you you got a a, a, (laughs) it was unraveling pile of of wool on the floor and trying to put it back together well i have to say i've missed the podcast i've missed this time i've missed uh knowing everyone is out there and joining uh, joining us and and uh, i think it's pretty cool today Mm -hmm. you can hear the waves we're at the beach right now and you can you can hear the waves in the background i want to see if you can hear it without us talking all right no, not, no, not really. Oh, there it is. <laughs> a little bit. Well, the tide's out yeah, pretty yeah, far. Definitely the seagulls but coming w- and going. We went from snow to, and, and I mean, it was snowing oh, yeah. really, 
winter she Hard. she came in with a vengeance and our little, <laughs> right before our we little left. fox friend I know. was I miss him. hanging out but anyway now we're in the it's in the 70s today and sunshine and i went out to the inlet this morning and i watched the tidewater convergence Ooh, sounds medical <laughs> or scientific or something well it's okay there is a there's an inlet and it's about a half mile away and mm-hmm. and the tide water was going out with the tide but as it was reaching the 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 ocean you have waves coming in water going out and so the waves just sit there and they roll in one place yeah and i was thinking that if the water wasn't so cold how much fun i could have enjoying watching you play in that <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you, you say that because I was actually thinking just the other day how it would be really fun just to grab a wetsuit and just go out here and play. Like, so the water doesn't have to be warm. It would be really fun to try to put a wetsuit on. <laughs> oh, isn't it? <laughs> Dear God. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> San Diego, Del Mar, wetsuit, I'm still, surfing. still processing the trauma of trying to get into a wetsuit. It was tragic. <laughs> oh, but that's really cool. That's we shouldn't fun. do these inside things. Inside things? Yeah. I don't think that's an inside thing. I think anyone who understands the schematics of a wetsuit knows exactly what we're talking about. Well, the about. inside part would be, you know, I almost, we almost died in the surf trying to surf in oh, San Diego. That. Yes. And, the, and the crowds on the beach, you know, <laughs> there's, oh my gosh, the OMG moments and being yeah. washed up on the shore we and shouldn't all of have that surfed. stuff. Well, I was just literally thinking of getting it on. Just the terror of <laughs> pulling, getting the suit over everything. <laughs> But there was a storm, and we shouldn't yes. have been out there anyway. Well, you were out there, but well, anyways, that was fun. It was sh- rough. <laughs> there were, when was when you see no, over, no one else surfing, go home. <laughs> Just don't do it. Well, I am so thrilled to be back. I am, too. Today. I am, too. I've missed everyone. And speaking of everyone. What are we talking about today? Well, Caroline has determined that for us. She sent in a question, and she says, I have a question on living in the moment and relationships. When you are in a serious relationship and you're living the law of manifestation, is it okay to have expectations regarding what you want out of the relationship? How can it be okay to just see how things go without expecting anything or knowing what they're looking for or expecting? I'm trying to wrap my head around just being in the moment with my boyfriend. How can you not feel like you're just wasting mm-hmm. your time? Uh, so you got two people now, and one could be <laughs> infringing on what you're trying to believe of for. Of course, yes. Great question. Thank you, Caroline. Did she say where she's from? No, she did not. Hmm. We can guess. Where sure, take a stab. Maybe she's from... Maybe the question itself will give it Carolina. away. Carolina. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, even when we begin to understand the power of our thoughts to determine the life that we're going to experience... Things can appear to be a, a little more complicated when you start including your boyfriend, right? Or your girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, things can... <laughs> including your boyfriend right. in anything <laughs> yes. is going to be complicated. You know, no, that's some, Or just anybody that didn't get the memo. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Because, you know what, it is true that through the, the power of our mind that we are continually creating the conditions of our lives. And it's through the power... Well, here of your boyfriend's mind that he's continually creating the conditions of his life. Mm. And so sort of like the tidewaters, there's a convergence mm. and everything seems to stand still. Now, and Good analogy. is this going to be uh, a, a willpower thing? Let's hope not. Because mm. this, this is, it can be some kind of a stalemate. 
But it doesn't have to be because, look, you are not responsible, Caroline, for the life that your boyfriend is creating no more than he's responsible for the life that you're creating. Mm. Now, the world does things that way, but not higher consciousness, because we're always making use of this innate creative power of the mind, whether consciously or unconsciously. The thoughts, the attitudes, the beliefs that we hold are shaping what we will experience. Our present tense beliefs are reshaping all of our tomorrows. And so the desire for, well, let's say for a richer life, for fulfilling relationships, has always been at the heart of human striving. And it's something within each one of us. It's in our innermost being that knows that greater possibilities in every area exist for us. That's Without that knowing, there wouldn't be a longing. So though we may sense these possibilities only faintly, they're still there. And they evoke this deep longing for fulfillment. Now, this longing is the essence of what makes us both human and divine. Mm. To be divine means to possess the power of creativity, to be capable of expansion, that is progressive, expansion that is eternal. It's an expansion that never ends, and it continues. And so a feeling of being out of control, which often happens, especially in new relationships. There's the new boyfriend or girlfriend, and they have a desire that's not, it's a contradiction to yours. You feel out of control, and it's often what happens when the ego, which identifies with a label of love, enters into a relationship. And the ego's just thinking, you know, what's in this for me? Mm. What does this person do for me? How will this person make me greater? How is this person going to expand me? Now, that's the wrong question for the wrong person, because there is a power for becoming better in the universe that's greater than we are. But here's the thing. We can use that power. The power is far greater than any of us, but the we have use of it. Mm. It's kind of like flying a jet airplane. You have the ability to control it, but the plane in of itself has greater thrust, greater power than your own individual ability, but you have, you have use of it. Right. I was counseling a young woman who had fallen in love with someone, and she called her soulmate. And I asked her, I said, well, why do you believe he's your soulmate? <laughs> and she said, well, he does so much for me. He takes care of me. He's nice to me. He's always bringing me something, some gifts and surprises. He's just perfect for me, Stephen. And I said, well, what do you do for him? And she just sat there with this blank look on her face. Well, in her mind, he was all about her. And, and now this is typical. Which made him perfect. <laughs> he was, he was yeah. a prince charming, right? Yeah. And, but now this is a typical response for the ego, which is thinking, what's in this for me? It's not that that's an invalid question. It's just that it's incomplete. And when formed by the ego, mm -hmm. you see, it's got the wrong me in mind. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if everything that you're telling us, is this based on, does it need to be based on sort of a precedence of the person that you're in relationship with also understanding kinetic belief? Or does this work no matter where your partner is? in their belief journey. Absolutely. It does not depend upon your partner being a kinetic believer at all. Wow. Because everything, your life has ultimately 
everything to do with only you. And then there are others that benefit from it. So for someone who's awakened to their higher being, awakened to their genius purpose, they know their needs are already met. All their needs. That includes their love life. All their needs are met. Mm. They are functioning as kinetic believers, and they're deeply in love with whom they were created to be. And from the very beginning, they're not trying to become something or to be something that they are not. They are filled with happiness. They're filled with joy. And, and I'm not talking about circumstantial happiness, which is what most people fall in love for. But they're filled with optimistic happiness, which comes from living with positive expectations. They have prosperity mindedness. They're healthy minded. They don't need anything from another person to be or to become so the question for this one is, what is in this relationship for us right? rather than for me? Which is sort of uh, an ironic thing to say, I feel like, in this, in this discussion because, you know, we know as kinetic believers that we are responsible for our own happiness. And if we want to change something, we, we change ourselves. Right. And yeah. I yeah. love how the relation, an intimate relationship, you're sort of, you know, displaying it today is the perfect arena for that to play out. Mm. I mean, there's no greater uh, pressure cooker, if you mm. will, of circumstance that's going to really require us to adhere to that, that to that is, truth. That's a, this, this, this is the thing that will sharpen you. Yeah. It's just throw you into a rela- <laughs> an intimate relationship. Yeah. And it will challenge you to become everything that you were originally intended to be without the assistance, without the validation of another. Even the most intimate person in this life is not there to validate who you really are. Wow. That authority belongs solely to you, and we step into that successfully mm-hmm. regardless of whom we are with. And I have to say, just as an interesting side note here, when, when I have always participated and grown in that truth of, hey, I'm responsible, I can only change myself, I think an interesting outcome that you don't really expect is it makes you very empathetic toward your partner as well. It really helps you to see things through their eyes, to under- understand them in a more intimate way, in a more compassionate, loving way. And I don't think you necessarily expect that when you embark on this truth and to live by this truth, but it's absolutely one of the outcomes. Well, and you are allowing you are allowing, allowing yeah, those around you to be who they are, regardless of of what you may yeah. think you would want them to be. But you see, you're getting into the abuse of dominion. Mm. When you start believing that it's up to you to change somebody, to make them something that you would rather they be. But so the answer to the question is, what's in this relationship for us? It's very. It's going to be very different from the question, what's in this for me? Yes. But now you... Ideally, and going back to the both of you being a KB, you, you both should be asking that same question. What is in this for us? Yeah. And, you know, I think Caroline, she asked, how, how can I not feel like I'm wasting my time? Mm-hmm. Well, I understand the semantics of what you mean by asking this, but no one actually possesses time, first of all. You don't have any time. Mm -hmm. All you will ever have and all you've ever had is just this moment. Mm -hmm. Time is seen as the endless transition of moments. And some of those are good and some of those are bad. However, the illusory is that there are are not many moments at all. There's only this one moment. Mm -hmm. Life, whatever we make of it, is always now. In other words, our entire life unfolds in this continuous present moment. 
even past or, or future moments only exist when we remember or we expect them to show up. And we do that by thinking about them in the only moment that there is, and that is this one. Mm-hmm. Now, why does it seem as though there are many moments in our lives other than the fact that we're just taking so many selfies. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, other selfies. than the fact that I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> You're from taking selfies. Yes. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's because the ego confuses the present moment with what happens, mm. and it confuses it with content. And when what happens changes, it appears as though your moment is changing. Mm. Well, in quantum physics, you're continually occupying a space within the universe, your space, for your physical and spiritual self, it never changes. You're occupying that space. It's, been, it's a gift. That space is your place for your moment. And the space of your moment, is, it's just so easily confused with what it happens in your life. Mm. So now you have something that fear can become attached to. Well, and I have to say that every time that you describe our present moment like you just did, I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but... I always, this vision always pops into my head, the same one. And it's of, uh, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, like mm. when Glinda, the Good Witch, makes her. One of my her, favorite movies, yeah, yes. Yes. When she makes her first entrance. The and Good she, Witch of the North. Yes. And she, mm-hmm. she's in the big bubble, the yes. big pink bubble. And yeah, she, yeah. that's how she travels. You know, she right. goes everywhere in that. But I always think of that when you describe our present moment, <laughs> like you just oh, did. Like, that is so we're all good. Yes. Floating through yeah. our life. Can I use that? Can I borrow that? Yes, I want to use that. Yeah. So we have a bubble, and that's our moment. And we take our moment with us everywhere we go. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's funny. I like that hers is pink. That's I want a pink bubble. You got it. Cool. But it really is. I mean, I like that that's – I just love that visual because it's actually – there's a, so much truth in it, this idea that we're carrying it with us. And that we can alter it, that you, mm-hmm. it's not as if you're stuck with your present moment and, and you have no way of You're of working on your bubble it. all the time, and you're always <laughs> taking that with you. But now the space of your moment should not be confused with what happens. Mm. And that's, that's where people run into to problems, and right. they, they start benchmarking their life mm-hmm. uh, as though their moment it was something else that it has never that it never was. Well, your moment is your moment. <laughs> your moment is your moment, and that actually really explains the sensation that you have. You have it as an adult, but I know you especially have it as a child. That whatever's happening to you in that moment, mm-hmm. you, you really have a, a very real sensation that it's going to keep going forever. Like how whatever my life is today, isn't that true? Yes, uh, you know, like yes. this is how it's going to be forever, and that's just not true. Just well, for example, the thought of not having enough, the thought of or not winning at something, not getting what you want, mm. uh, not getting it when you want it. And then you feel like your, your whole life just sucks. Nothing ever works out for you. And, and you are confining yourself into an existence uh, as though this is a, the, the linear of, of my time on this earth where things just don't work out for me. And even worse, and, you start say, telling everyone that. Well, then, you're, then you are making it so. Words are mm. things. So the confusion of the present moment with what, with what happens, it's creating the illusion of time and the delusion of the lower state of being. There is a confluence here that's going to require a proper change in perspective, I think, mm-hmm. because we cannot deny the reality of time. I mean, it's, it's there. The universe is expanding toward perfected completion, and time is one of the measurements required for that development. In other words, we need to go from one place to another to shop for groceries. 
<laughs> we we got to get to work. We need we need to listen to this podcast. You and I need to do the podcast. <laughs> we, but we need time to go to school. We need to uh, you know we to learn to paint or to get into shape to work out. Whatever we do seems like it only appears as though it's going to take some time, right? Yes. Albert Einstein once wrote that people like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. That's all it is. Time, Einstein said, is only an illusion. But now, and that's the paradox. Wherever we seem to look, there's plenty of circumstantial evidence for the effects of time. Uh, Mold appearing on the strawberries in the refrigerator. My face in a photo compared to my face in a photo taken 25 years ago. Well, <laughs> my what, face. what happened to my face? Because I didn't actually experience the presence of time. Oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, a really good one also is recently um, I've been using grocery delivery, and every time I order groceries, it's like t- tallying up all the time that I've saved, not shopping for groceries. I think I'm up to like 20 hours or something. What are you going to do with that now that you have that time? <laughs> How am I going to spend it? <laughs> <laughs> what will you ever do? Right, but it is it is a grand illusion, isn't that, it? Yes, it is, because the only thing I've experienced is this present moment. I don't know about you, and, and what happens in this moment is is all there is. <laughs> and so, your face. And my face. You're changing so, face. So if I go by evidence only, yeah. then there is no time, and this moment is all there is. In other words... Time, which is the illusory of the past and the future, is what the false self, is what the ego lives on. And time is therefore only in the mind. Now, why is this important? This is vital to the KB, whose way of life is to manifest their best life. Time is not something that just has an objective existence some kind of an out there, a place of existence. We realize that time is a mind-made concept and that's needed for empirical sensory perception. And even though we can't get rid of it for navigating practical purposes, it still remains the biggest obstacle to not knowing ourselves, but also developing, uh, to developing these genuine, loving, soulmate kinds of relationships like it sounds like Caroline may be uh, experiencing. Look at it this way. Time is the horizontal dimension of life, of what we first believe to be reality. And then there's the vertical, this vertical dimension of depth, which is only accessible to every individual through the universal portal of the present moment. So instead of worrying about adding time to yourself, or to your relationship with your boyfriend or with someone else, begin by removing time. Mm -hmm. Wow. By removing time from your consciousness, you're diminishing your ego to no effect. And your genius of purpose then becomes freed to unconditionally love someone else as a soulmate in whatever journey the two of you should choose to set before yourselves in your one shared moment in time. You know, this is really revealing how... To truly have success in life, the only way to do that is to do, well, exactly what you're saying, which is to to remove time, to connect with the present moment. And I think that also illuminates the power of something like gratitude, 
because, for example, you know, being uh, present, it points to, to gratitude really being the ultimate tether. Because whenever you look around and you say, oh, I'm grateful for fill in the blank, it's always something that's active, that's happening now, that you experience now, or that you're believing in the present mindedness of, of manifestation. But I guess I'm just saying I like how it takes all, the, all of these components that we work with and we work for like gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it reveals that these are tools to constantly tether you to the only true reality, which is the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Journaling. That's, and that's a great, I'm, I'm glad you brought up gratitude because, and that's like house cleaning our bubble. <laughs> yes. And, and because <laughs> the we Windex, are, the, bubble. The, the way that quantum mechanics works in this particle uh, uh, infused universe is that, uh, we're attracting what we already have, what we already possess. And if you are cleaning your bubble with gratitude, you're getting rid rid of those things that you are worried about and that you f- are fearful over. And you're throwing them out of your bubble and creating either a vacuum or an, the thing that you're grateful for within your bubble that then attracts more of that so that you're participating in this grand uh, expansion Uh, plan of existence that our creator has given us all but this is the spiritual practice of higher consciousness meg of becoming one in our awakened state of being freed from the ego and all of its concepts of failure that require uh, time but when you make the decision to make the present moment into your friend and not something that's fleeting that's going to be the end of your relationship with your ego. Well, and when you befriend the present moment, you're, it also gets rid of the sorrow and mm. and the hopelessness yes. that comes from yes. being, you know, futuristic minded. I'll be happy mm-hmm. when, you know, when I get this money, this job, this house, this car, then I'll, you know, really, really have it, and I can finally be happy and be pleasant to be around. <laughs> Circumstantial, right? <laughs> yes. But now, but that's what the ego, the ego can never be in alignment with the present moment which is to say aligned with the essence of your life, since its very nature compels it to ignore your present moment. Time is what the ego thrives on. Time is its lifeblood, and it's got to have it to survive because without it, the ego just ceases to exist. Mm. The stronger the ego is, the more it's going to identify with time. And the more time it's going to, it will take over your life. And you become even more anxious and more worried that boyfriend isn't going to be everything you hoped he would be in the time that you've given it to be that. Mm. And you're going to be more worried about time and hurried, actually, before time runs out. Almost every thought you think, actually, will be concerned with your past. It's going to be concerned with the future. And your sense of identity is going to depend on either the past for your sense of identity or on the future for what it wants to become. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself wondering how the ego loves to attach itself to time, you know, like you're, like you're describing now. Mm-hmm. But we also know that the ego loves to live as if there's no end, end in sight. You know, we've, we've talked about that many times. You know, the ego loves to, to work, work, work for, you know, 60 years of your life for a, some company that doesn't appreciate you, for example, and, and, and then you, you treat some sort of retirement like, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it right, but I, I just think it's a very strange, um, it's, a, it's a contradiction, really, and I'm wondering how that happens. How does the ego attach itself so strongly to time, but then, you know, it's, it sort of ignores death, and it ignores mm-hmm. 
the, the end of it. Well, the ego does not like consequences. Right. And so it's, it deludes, it's delusional to the end. Mm. Because when it, when it looks toward the end or when it is aware of the end, it becomes fearful and frightened and hurried and worried. So it's delusional <laughs> to that, although it's under the constructs of that. <laughs> Typical ego, right? How convenient. <laughs> right. So because when yeah. a person's under the control of time, then fear and anxiety, their expectations, regrets, guilt, anger, all of those are dysfunction to the time-bound egoic state of their consciousness. To the egoic mind, getting to some other place in the future, you mentioned retirement. Uh, may, is, that's considered to be more important than where it is right now. Yeah. And so it's future-bound. It's somewhere else. It's not, it, it can never be present. It's always in the future or it's in the past. And even though the future never comes except as the present moment, and is therefore never more than just an imagination, in other words, this person's never fully here because they're always busy trying to, to get somewhere else. And this is why when the thing that you're hoping for, the thing that you really uh, invested in for the future finally shows up, it can even be depressing. And there's no joy in it, and there's no fulfillment in it because you were you were pinning all of your hopes and dreams on this one thing to to be ushered in, but now you just want something else. Well, that's why it's never enough. Never because enough. when it does show up, you're still looking to the future for the more. Yeah. And that person not being present-minded is going to miss every possibility for being blessed. Mm. It's the evolution of another place that comes into your moment, and you don't go to where it is. The expanding life is advancing mind body and soul toward its perfected completion and in in its moment of existence you know a lot of people aren't able to enjoy another person even when that person's professed their love for them and they, they're showing up and they are taking out the trash and they're doing things to 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 be involved in this relationship as they are right now they they're just not being enjoyed because they're actually wanting to be somewhere else with them. Wow. They're wanting that person to be something else, to represent something else, to get them to the other place, to get them to the promised land. When I know that with myself, any time I've ever experienced you know, self-dissatisfaction, that there is no one that can do anything right. You know, I'm mm -hmm. always, per I, I don't do it anymore, but before kinetic belief, if I didn't like what I was doing with my life and in my own spirit, I was always projecting that onto someone else, and so they, in turn, could never do anything right either. They're they're still representing something in the future, and mm. so and, and and you know this is where most impatience and frustration and like you said dissatisfaction and stress all of that comes from in relationships because life for most people, which is actually in this moment, is seen as a problem. This is just a problem that needs to be solved before they can be happy, before they can start really living, or at least that's what they think. And so what happens is for every problem that's solved, another one just develops. Right. And as long as the present moment is seen as an obstacle that, you know, this has to be overcome. And like I told you, I was going to marry this guy and turn him into what I want him to be and whether he's still a frog. And so now there's, there's never, it doesn't seem like there's ever going to be an end to problems, no more than there will ever be an end to your present moment. Well, there can't be, right? I mean, when the ego, that's what the ego's feeding on. And so it's always going to be creating a new problem. You know, you can even talk to someone and if they're ego bound and bound to that futuristic way of thinking, 
they'll always be creating new problems that and they become even crazier and crazier the better their life gets so yes <laughs> and so here's the deal the pleasure that we would achieve we must first conceive as a kinetic believer and then once we conceive it no matter how high the aim may be even in a relationship, as long as we look forward to it, unwaveringly in our thoughts, it will be realized. Right. And to allow it to come into our shiny, sparkly bubble and to <laughs> exist along with us. But now what happens when we're not convinced of the power of the creative mind, of our higher consciousness, uh, and most people will think, you know, I'll just be whatever you want me to be in this relationship. I will change according to your expectations. Just to keep the peace. Just to or keep the whatever. peace. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going, I'll treat you the way you treat me. And if you see me as a problem, then I will be a problem to you. If you wow. treat me as an obstacle, I will be an obstacle to you. And at worst, and, and this is also very common, the present moment is treated as if it were an enemy. I have to get out of the now. I have to get away from this moment. I've got to get out the door and go somewhere else to get away from what appears to be my life. As it is, like you were saying a few minutes ago, this is the way it's always going to be. Right. So I need to. It needs to become something else. And so when you hate, when you hate what you're doing, when you're not happy with whom you're with, when you complain about your surroundings, when you curse things that are happening or have already happened, or when you, your internal dialogue consists of, I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that. When you're blaming and accusing other people then you're redefining what is negatively being destructive to what is forming around you. And you're making life into an enemy. And life says, okay, if, if war is what you want, then war is what you'll get. Because you have the authority. External circumstances, life always reflects back to you whatever your inner state is. That's why things and your circumstances are the way that they are. It's reflecting back your 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 inner state. And that's why so many people are continuously immersed in hostilities, Maggie. A vital question that you know, we ask ourselves is, what is my relationship with the present moment? What is my relationship with this now? And then become quiet to what rises up within to find out the answer. Am I treating my present moment as no more than a means to get somewhere else? Do I see my life as it is now as an obstacle? Am I making my moment into an enemy? Since the present moment is all you ever have, since life is inseparable from this moment, what the question really means is, what is my relationship with my life? To fall in love with who you are and to creatively set up your life for the success that you desire in your present moment, work on your manifesting journal in the morning when you're setting a tone for the rest of your day. And start with just a few minutes of quiet stillness and write from within a daily message of what you demand of yourself, of your present moment. And then read what you've written to absorb it more deeply. And then look for ideas that apply to you in some specific way and reflect for a few minutes on them. And allow them to take root in your thoughts as something that is established mm. and not just wishful thinking until they feel real and they feel right to you. And then as you go through your day, maintain an awareness of the main idea introduced in your morning journaling. 
And I'll tell you this, the law of kinetic belief, which works from within to establish and to manifest your soul's immovable desires, begins to do what it does. Manifesting beliefs can either be established from what you've experienced before, experiential knowledge, experiential life, or manifesting beliefs can be established from what you expect to experience. Now, this includes every relationship, and this includes your circumstances. You know, I can hear somebody thinking right now, I just don't think I can do this. Even if I go back and listen to this again, <laughs> I don't think I can do it. Look, the human spirit was created with the authority to manifest its beliefs, and your human spirit is no less or more than anybody else's. Yes, you're already doing this, yeah. whether you think you can or not. You're already doing it. Nobody can opt out of being a believer. Well, I just don't believe that, Steve. Well, you just proved my point. You're a believer. You don't believe that. <laughs> That's what you believe. That's what you believe. <laughs> Belief is the word that we use for attracting what we are. And every human being was also created with dominion, which is the sovereignty of control over other things. And so what the ego wants to do is to use the creative dominion that it has to control other people, to control the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the kids and the parents, whatever. And this is where people become broken. And somebody starts thinking, well, I don't think I can do this. This is the lower state of your being in the broken way of it relating with this world, of it relating with this podcast, of it relating with yourself. And the wrong use of dominion will lead to strife. You're trying to control other people, so it leads to bitterness, and it leads to anger, and it manifests emotional distresses, and it will attract and manifest war and every negative issue of life. The ego is filtering opportunities with what it thinks that it needs, and then it reasons with ways to take it rather than create it. Well, and now we understand why journaling is so vital because, and not just journaling, but doing it every single day, you know, setting that precedent in the morning, every morning, because yes, we're already believing. However, we have to do some reprogramming because we're quite literally taking what we used to put off into the future if it's a positive and we have to reframe all of that as if it's now part of our present moment. And I think that's something that trips up a lot of people. I know I had some trouble with that in the beginning. Just being able to even develop the proper vocabulary that allows you to take a passion, an idea, something that you want to see show up today and to, to draw it into your present moment with, without attaching words, futuristic words to it. Because we always think, I want this and, and I'm going to have fill in the blank, but we have to, the journaling allows us to uh, very succinctly parse our words and our vocabulary and our beliefs into this uh, depth of understanding where, where everything is now functioning properly in the present moment, but that doesn't just come easily. You know, we're, it really does require a level of, of, it's a new way of talking. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of, you know, even if you're being super positive and you say, I want a speedboat. Okay. Well, if you keep wanting it, you never have it. <laughs> so, you know, I have a speedboat <laughs> in my bubble, whatever that is. Um, but that does take um, effort, consistency, persistence. It, that is, you know, you just opened up a, a big can of amazingness. Can of <laughs> you opened a big can of amazingness. But 
It does take reprogramming because we are programmed in, in, a, in a negative environment, in a negative world with negative language and negative words. And we speak in emphatics. And you ordered a car off of Carvana, and it's three weeks late. And so you pick up the phone, and you call somebody, and you say, everything is always going wrong. Well, it's emphatically negative, but it's a habitual way of speaking that's destructive to your life. Or if you say you want the speedboat, well, why do you want the speedboat? So I can run drugs. Oh, jeez. So, so I can get cocaine off the shore here out to another boat and, and make a million dollars. We, we got this screwed up concept of... of <laughs> Of so oh, well. many, we don't, and I can't speak. I should not speak in fact. We don't have a screwed up concept, but you see, it's yeah. the their motives and their is the habitual way of life and, and the, the habits the, that we it. bring. It's the habitual way of life. That's what trips you up because it yes. can be something as innocent as just saying "I'm going to have" instead of "I have." That's right, and that can completely undermine. All the work. Well, the first is wishful thinking, which does nothing. Yes. Wishful thinking is just that. It's only yes. wishful. And for me, I can't do that if I don't journal it. So put, putting pen to paper, it, it forces you to mm. articulate things properly. Mm-hmm. And the power of our words, it's the, it's the greatest power in the universe. And so we have to treat it thusly. You say things without seeing what you're saying. It's, it's, like, mm. it's like learning, uh, uh, taking elocution. And people have... So many have I've heard this so many times from someone who hears themselves recorded yeah. speaking, and they get the gosh, that doesn't sound like me. That sounds terrible. Turn it off. And you're like, that sounds exactly no. like <laughs> actually. Got good news for you, Megan. <laughs> Great you news. You sound like that. You do sound like that. But that's what we can't see yeah. it until we see it. You can't hear it until you hear it. Mm. And journaling yeah. enables you to see what the way that you speak and the way that you imagine yes. in the. In your present tense moment of now being grateful and seeing how you actually say things because it does matter. Words are things. You are creating. We create with the words that we speak. Yes. And somebody says, well, I'm just sick and tired of hearing that. Well, what did you just say? You're sick. Right. I'm not going to agree with you because of the power of agreement, but you're attracting sickness into your body when you flippantly say something that you were programmed Many years ago, maybe growing up, just to say as a way of speech, I'm sick and tired. You're creating the life that you're experiencing by the word that you're saying. Well, and what you just said, that really gave us a huge truth to adhere to, reminding ourselves that the universe and the process of manifestation is, in a sense, a legalistic one. It is what you say. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you can't just go around saying, well, I didn't mean that, or I didn't mean this, or I didn't mean that. No, it is what, it's what we say. We have Mm -hmm. to, we have to wrap our heads around the power that we have because it's been undermined for so long by the Mm -hmm. ego. We have to talk ourselves into this idea that, look, we do have this limitless creative power. Authority is legalistic. And when our ego identifies with negative labels like we're talking about, that negative labels that we think we are or things that we say that we are, we are determining what matters to us in this life. And when I say what matters, I'm, I'm talking about uh, specifically what forms in our life. We're determining what will form in our life. And whatever we think matters, whatever we think forms, we have the power to, it has the, the power then to emotionally bless us or emotionally disturb us. You can use this example for, to find out how intimately you know yourself. 
What's important to you is not necessarily what you believe, but what your words and your actions and your reactions reveal to be important to you. Mm-hmm. Meg, you and I were having a, a conversation the other day about the natural systems of nature. Yeah. And there are, for example, there's forest ecosystems like the one we spent the summer in in the Colorado Rockies. There's the, the grassland ecosystems that where we got married in the grasslands of Yellowstone <laughs> out there in front of the majestic Tetons. There's the, the desert ecosystem, which, like in Sedona, Arizona, which we love. Yeah. And, and these are just a few of the ecosystems of, of the natural order of the expanding universe and the ecosystem of this planet, which is how life interacts with their physical environment. And you cleverly pointed out that there is also an ecosystem. <laughs> yes. And I love that, it, which is how the ego interacts with what it perceives to be its circumstances. Yeah. But now there is only one ego system in the entire universe. That's it. And it, but it's filled with every imaginable, reasoning, doubtful, fearful, judgmental stronghold there's ever been. But that's the ego system. And most people are stuck in the illusory of the ego system. Um, in, in those perceived circumstances. Well, this is my life. This is, the, this is the hand I was dealt with, Stephen, so I'll just have to live with it. The human condition of unconsciousness sleeps within this ego system. It's where it lives. Mm-hmm. It dwells there. And if you want to know if you're part of the ego system, you can just know it by asking yourself the question, what are the things that upset me? What are the things that disturb me? For example, if small things have the power to upset you, then who you have imagined yourself to be is just exactly that. You see yourself as small within the ecosystem that you've allowed to surround you. Now, as you begin rising up like a phoenix out of the ashes of the ecosystem, which you burned down, then you might (laughs) say, I know know from listening to this podcast that I am an eternal spirit or I I am tired of this crazy world, and now I uh, will forevermore demand more peace in my life, and I'm putting a demand on and, and envisioning prosperity in my one glorious bubble moment, Stephen Mag, mm. for my life until the phone rings. Bad news. The deal may fall through. The car has been wrecked. Your mother-in-law has arrived in town. The trip has been canceled. The contract fell through. Your partner cleaned out the, the bank and left you. They're demanding more money, and they say it's your fault. Suddenly, there's this surge of anger, and this stress begins to rise up on the inside of you. And you say, well, now I've had it. That is it. Turn that podcast off. I can't take any more of this. And you accuse, and you go on the blame attack, yes. and you, you're defending yourself, and you justify yourself, and your ego, and it, it's all happening on autopilot. It's all just habit. Something is obviously much more important to your ecosystem now than the inner peace that you were manifesting just a moment ago. Mm. The money, the contract, the deal, the car, uh, the threat of loss. Are now, or you are communicating that they are more important to you. To whom? To the eternal spirit that you said you were a few minutes ago. <laughs> I can just hear some bratty person. Where's that eternal spirit you were talking about, huh? 
<laughs> you heard yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, I heard me talking to me. But you know, it is interesting. I like I love the idea of seeing the ego as having a system and as an ecosystem because an ecosystem it's all about survival, right? So, a balanced ecosystem is really about the survival of life mm-hmm. within that system, and so you. I think it's important to understand and and in order to make this leap into a life of kinetic belief you have to acknowledge that look this is the way i've been living and and i do see that i i know how to live this way and i was surviving that way it's all about survival and sometimes i think in life it's it's hard to get out of that mindset of you'd rather just live with you know the devil you know <laughs> and so that's the ego system right. i know right. i know how this functions mm-hmm. i know how manipulation works and i'm doing okay and, but we have to acknowledge mm-hmm. the leap that must be made out of that. So I like how you basically said you got to burn that mother down, <laughs> you know, to, well, to move beyond Like you're it. saying, it is, it is vital to recognize, look, everybody has an ego. You just don't want the ego to have you. Yes. yes. You see, now, at, at, at least you know who you really think you are when you go through this this exercise if peace is really what you want then you're going to choose the peace from within well and and i love the way that you just presented that it was very illuminating because it it allows us to hey let's acknowledge that we have this ego but we we have to be in control the higher self has to be in control because operating in the higher self you don't become a you know slack jawed (laughs) hippie, (laughs) you know, just walking around handing flowers out. I mean, it's actually an aggressive way of living. It's a, it's a very, it's a heightened, uh, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, it's warfare, but you are overcoming so much to live and and you're overcoming that base self. It's intentional. It's intentional. You're an intentional hippie, intentionally (laughs) handing out flowers. Heck yeah. You're not slack-jawed in this, unless you're intentionally slack-jawed. But it's intentional way. It's putting pressure on your highest form of being to live your best life. Which which now gives it value, because what value is in a zen-like state when it's easy and simple and comfortable mm-hmm. no zen is achieved zen mm-hmm. is is fought for and again i just love how you said you got to burn it down and you're the phoenix <laughs> rising from the well, ashes if, if zen mattered to you more than anything else if you truly knew yourself to be e- eternal spirit having a natural experience rather than part of a little ecosystem you would remain non-reactive and yeah. absolutely observant when confronted with challenging people or what could be any kind of negative circumstances. Um, I've heard a phrase a lot le- recently. I, I don't know if it's just because it's become a buzzword. I, I know it's been around for a long time, but I've heard people talking about emotional intelligence. Um, and I don't think it's quite as mystical as maybe some people are making it out to be, but I am kind of wondering how that fits in. Like, do you see being able to operate in the highest self as a level of it- intelligence, mm-hmm. emotional or not? Mm-hmm. Um, or is that strictly something that the spirit, that our human spirit is achieving through uh, um, you know, going after it? Well, intelligence is intentional. An intentional spiritual life, an intentional in t- a life of integrity, an intentional mm. emotional life, uh, it's intentional. Mm. And it is operating with 
a, a kinetic belief that's not movable from that's negative good. experiences or things that you could perceive to yeah. be a, a negative challenge. And how important to redefine intelligence as uh, what you just said, because, I mean, people love to think, well, I didn't test very well in the sixth grade, so I right. lack intelligence, and that's just that's not, not the case. That's not it at all. No, it, you would immediately deflect a situation by allowing it to be what it is, for example, and by not accepting it to be what you are, and thus you become free from it rather than identified with it, which is an intentional way of perceiving the illusion of of something that could be an obstruction to your best life. And intelligence is intentional. I, I'm writing that down. I think that is uh, that's very cool. That's a very cool way to understand our intelligence and to even see ourselves. Ah, now we become the master of our genius of purpose by intentionally observing it. Then from out of our observation of the situations in our life yeah. comes a response from higher consciousness now. We are here to observe these things as they take place in our lives and then intentionally come up with an, an, a reaction that could just be remaining stayed in our desire and purposeful way of manifesting the lives that we choose to experience. Who is the one that can observe from higher consciousness? And we're talking about observation. Who is it? When we're observing something from higher consciousness, I am that I am. And knowledge of this sets someone free from anything that would be a hindrance. We are not who we think we are. The person that thinks they are would not be responding to the question, who are you, with, with some kind of a title. Something interesting I've, I've noticed is that the universe always makes sure that we cannot fool ourselves for very long about who we really think we are by showing us what really matters to us. Mm -hmm. How you react, for example, to boyfriends and how you react to girlfriends and people and situations, especially when challenges show up, is the best indicator of how deeply you really do know yourself. Because, look, the more limited ecosystem view that you have of yourself, the more you're going to focus on and react to the negative limitations, to the unconsciousness, the sound asleep condition in other people. That negative way of existence, that lower state of being in other people, causes you to react when you have an ecosystem view of yourself. And so their issues, or what you perceive as their problems and their faults and their inadequacies, all of that stuff becomes your identity. And now this means that you're going to see the ego system in them, and then by observing their ego system and identifying with that, you're strengthening the ego system within yourself, and then you're both just a couple of cacti out in the desert as far as, as <laughs> you're concerned. It's interesting, too, because uh, ecosystems are notoriously fragile, not necessarily in that they'll just cease to exist but in their evolution you can you can cause them to change i think well, you and i read an article one time it was fascinating and i don't remember the exact specifics of it but it was basically saying that because they reintroduced wolves to yellowstone mm -hmm. all the rivers were like 12 inches lower <laughs> and they explained but that's like, a thumbnail but yes like the <laughs> chain of events that yes. you know occurred mm -hmm. to make that happen mm -hmm. and you know you're just describing our interactions with other ecosystems of other people and I think it's fascinating to 
just to meditate on the ripple effect that we can have. So when we don't engage with their ecosystem, that's actually a disruption to their ecosystem. So that's something else we have to understand that, look, you know, by being a kinetic believer, doing all these right things for you, knowing that it is just the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. to live in that higher self is the right thing, that you're also going to be quite disruptive um, to other people who are still living by the ego. And it's just important to know that so that, (laughs) you know, we're not shocked when when people have a problem with it. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> because this means that you're only going to see the, the ego system in them. And when you do that, you're strengthening that within yourself. And yeah. so instead of just looking through the ego system in other people, you're looking at the ego system itself and you're identifying with that. And that analogy of the wolves, I, it was something like... I was wild. The 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 deer and and <clears throat> they like migrated. They were in the, the buffalo. They were grazing on just one side of the rivers, and so the grass was growing up on the other. And this was actually moving the waters and causing flooding where like the, more the waters erosion. were not supposed to be. So they introduced the wolves into Yellowstone, and they started chasing the 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 animals that graze around and they started crossing the rivers to get away from the wolves. They started equally grazing on both sides of the river and the flooding stopped or something like that because the natural way of things was occurring. <laughs> Are you okay? You need a minute? I'm going to look up that article because I, I, I think I kind of botched I think that. I one. was going to say, cause I don't know. But it has that. something to do with grazing. But it was, was the point though, yeah. is that the fragility of how everything does work is very real and it's real in our lives in our lives as well isn't it (laughs) yeah but see maggie Mm. very unconscious people experience their own ego by seeing its reflection in others yeah now here's where something Mm. fascinating begins to reveal itself when you realize that what you react to in other people is also in you and often only in you first of all you go dang it (laughs) That's, That's not the, good. First, you go, dang it. Now, dang it. once you get dang it out, you begin to effectively become aware of your own ego system. Yes. Ah, and now as an observer, you may also realize that you were doing to other people what you thought they were doing to you, what you were blaming them for, or accusing them of. You're, what's happening here? Yeah. You're beginning to awaken. And this is a beautiful thing. You get the dang it out. Now you're beginning to (laughs) awaken, and you stop seeing yourself as a victim. Now you're not part of an ecosystem anymore. So when you become aware of the ecosystem that you've been dwelling in, that that was in you, it doesn't mean that you know who you are. It just means that you know who you are not. Mm. And it's through knowing who you are not that the greatest obstacle to truly knowing yourself is removed. Yeah. And you are now unbecoming all the many things that you believe that you were. You're getting rid of all the knee-jerk responses to life. You're getting rid of the habitual way of responding to things. Look, nobody can tell you who you are. I can't do that. No one can tell you. If I were to tell you who you are, it would just be another concept. So it would just be only be another ego system for you to, to now go and identify with. Mm. Your original genius of purpose, the one God created, requires no belief. In fact, every belief is just an obstacle to your original identity. And it doesn't even require your realization since you already are who you are. But without realization, without an intentional kinetic belief... 
who you are does not flourish mm. into this world. The light and intensity of your identity doesn't become brighter. It doesn't become purposed in this realm. Your one-of-a-kind, unique genius of purpose, your beautiful self, will just remain in the unmanifested universe. It exists, but it's unmanifested. That which is your authentic self is just floating around somewhere, a being of no use. You are then like someone who believes themselves just to be an impoverished person who doesn't know that he has a bank account with $50 million in it, so their potential wealth just remains unrealized, and it doesn't become expressed. It's not, it's not manifested. And as far as falling passionately in love with somebody else, remember to keep falling. Love is active, by the way. And yeah. also remember that who you think you are is also inanimately connected with how you see yourself being treated by other people. Mm. I feel like you're really describing right now a true posture, posturing of an enlightened person, of an awakened mm. being. Um, because then the ripple, the, or the trickle down, I should say, it, it just fixes everything. You know, it mm. fixes your perspective. You know, you can't look to the left and to the right. You have to posture yourself in an appropriate way. And then that affects everything else. You know, when you're actively loving yourself, like you just described, mm. you, then that allows you to then understand how to actively love your partner or uh, someone else in another relationship, which is everything. But it all flows from, from the top, from you, from your highest self. Actively loved by celebrating, championing, and edifying, and encouraging another. But don't meddle. Yeah. Don't raise a bar up for them. Let it be. Yeah. Well, and I, I was going to say, you began the podcast by just simply saying, you know, the answer is allowance. Allowing. Be in a state of allowing. Mm-hmm. And that's that theme has prevailed through this whole podcast, and it just keeps coming to mind to, you know, enter your day, into your relationships, enter into conversations with a, a spirit of allowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The good witch of the north, when she floated into <laughs> Munchkinland in her bubble, she didn't come out of her bubble and start rearranging their yeah. lives, did she? Be like Glinda. <laughs> Be like Glinda. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, mm. a lot of people complain that other people don't treat them well enough, with enough and they'll say things like, you know, I just don't get any respect, Megan. I don't get enough attention. I don't get enough recognition for the things that I do. No one acknowledges me. Everybody just takes me for granted. When people are being nice, most ecosystems will just often go on and suspect some hidden motives. Well, they just want to get something out of me. That's, and they form narratives like that. They just want to manipulate me. They want to take advantage of me. They are taking advantage of me. Nobody really loves me. What's happening is who they are identifying with is I'm just a needy little me whose needs are not being met. And, and this, is a, <laughs> this is a common mis, misperception yeah. that creates dysfunction yes. in almost all of their relationships. <laughs> I was just thinking, say that five times fast. <laughs> a needy little me. That. I can't say it one time fast. <laughs> but you know, but you're so, I mean, this is it. This is it. And we have to face this. You know, this is something that, you know, you, you got to look in the mirror and you have to acknowledge what you see. And then we have to take the appropriate steps to live our best life and to live an enlightened life because that's, 
I think it's a responsibility, isn't it? At some yes. point, because yes. we even have breath in our lungs, there is a level of responsibility that we that we have to step into to not be depressed and mm. sad and hopeless. Um, and to not take on the responsibility of living your best life, it's only going to breed contempt and negativity. Because the truth is you don't need anybody to live your best life. You don't need to be validated. You don't need to be approved of. You don't need permission. All of that stuff, that's just part of the ecosystem of belief that says that uh, you've got nothing to give and that the world and other people are just withholding, they're withholding from you what you think you need. Mm-hmm. Your lover may not end up giving you what you think you need. And so the entire subjective reality is based on just this illusory sense of who you think you are. Ecosystems sabotage lives. They sabotage situations. They sabotage relationships. And they scar just about every relationship relationship that there could possibly be. In other words, if the thought of lack, whether it be money, recognition, or love, has become part of who you think you are, you will always experience lack in whatever area that is. Rather than acknowledge the good that is already your identity, that is already your genius, that you came into the natural with, that makes you who you are, all you're going to see is lack gratefully acknowledging the the good that is already in your life, that is the foundation for manifesting all abundance. And another way of saying this is that whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you are withholding from this world. You're withholding it. Because deep down you think that you are insignificant and that you've got nothing to give. Whatever you think the universe is withholding from you, be it Praise, appreciation, money, love, whatever it is, find a way to give it. And if you're not sure how, then just act like you have it to give and manifest it in your life. The law of reciprocity, it assures that after we start giving, we start receiving. And, and this is the principle of first things first. This is the law of creation. And it's, you could call it seed, time, and harvest. You cannot receive what you don't give. You cannot harvest what you do not sow. In other words, in quantum mechanics, within the natural order of creation, outflow determines inflow. Whatever you think the world, or whatever you think someone else, is withholding from you, you already have it. But unless you allow it to flow out of you, You won't even know that you have it. And this includes prosperity. It includes abundance. It includes love. Jesus talked about the power of creation being released through our willingness to be an expression of higher source provision. When he said, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. The source of all abundance, of every good thing, and every loving relationship is not outside of you. It's not somewhere else. The expanding mind and body and soul under every good thing is part of who we are. The fullness of life, that's within every breath. It's within every step. And it's the acknowledgement, though, of that abundance that is all around us that awakens the dormant abundance within us. Let it flow out. Put pressure on it. You are the determining witness to let it flow out. And when you smile at a stranger, just that smile at a stranger is an outflow of positive energy and you become a giver. I was running on the beach yesterday and... 
I passed an elderly gentleman who was he was out he was walking as fast as he could. He's going in the other direction. And I was walking as fast as I could in the other direction. And, but, but he was a bit hunched over, uncomfortably, you could tell. But he was still going just as fast as he could, Meg. And I smiled at him, and I gave him a thumbs up. You know, way to go. Good effort. You go, dude. And about 45 minutes later on my way back, I passed him again. But this time he was with whom I believed to be his wife. Could have been his girlfriend. Uh, may have been his daughter. But he, he <laughs> who knows? <laughs> it was somebody else. Yeah. But he pointed he pointed me out to her, and they both smiled and they waved really big at me, and an outflow of positive energy. Here it was, forty five minutes later, was still working in his life, mm. and it was now being returned to me. Wow! An interaction of positivity. Ask yourself often, what can I give here? How can I be of service to this person? How can I be of a positive benefit to this situation? You don't need to own anything to feel abundant. Although if you feel abundant consistently, I'm telling you, things will almost certainly come to you. But abundance comes only to those who already have it. And I mean mindfully, spiritually. And it sounds almost unfair, but if, and of course it isn't. This is just a universal law. Both the abundance of higher consciousness and the lack of ego systems are inner states of being that manifest as your reality. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said it like this. He said, for to the one who has, more will be given. And for what, the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You know, I thought about that. I thought about that statement quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The one thing that everybody has within, that every single living human being possesses, is a desire to do what they were created to love. Mm. Most people will leave what they love in this world unrealized, and they will just depart as a spiritual being and keep on keeping on. Most people will never put a demand on their love for peace. They will never put pressure on their love for prosperity to manifest, for doing something they love, for experiencing um, loving someone else or even the experience of someone else loving them. Most people will leave this world, Meg, regretting never having manifested what they were created to love. But the good news is we can change our one given moment with only a moment's given notice to release the love we've been given. And how do I do that, you may ask? Well, love, love whom you've fallen in love with. Do what you love to do. I'm not saying there's not going to be challenges. Problems have value. And if we allow obstacles to discourage us and to cave in and quit and just stop, we will not get anywhere. And so the only difference between awakened KB miracle workers attracting their best lives and those who say that they're just stuck is that we make no exceptions. We make no excuses. Our current position in life is not relevant. The way things have been doesn't matter when it comes to doing what we love to do. And to the one who lives to love what they do, ah, according to the law of freedom, according to the law of attraction, and according to the law of kinetic belief, and the law of life, so much more will be given. 
Let's work on some high speed points. Yes, let's do it. Just say this out loud. Say, my egoist self. My egoist self. Is fearless. It's fearless. And I'm demanding. And I'm demanding. My best life. My best life. To abundantly manifest. To abundantly manifest. Right now. Right now. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. To see it. To see it. All around me. All around me. I have an unshakable. I have an unshakable. Forward moving desire. Forward moving desire. That's attracting. That is attracting. The purpose of my existence. The purpose of my existence. And my every moment. And my every moment. I'm developing. I'm developing. To become more powerful. To become more powerful. Fully inhabiting. Fully inhabiting. The original purpose of me. The original purpose of me. I'm transforming. I am transforming. No, I really am transforming. No, no, seriously. I'm transforming. Look at me. I'm changing. Look, I'm changing. Into this creative (laughs) genius of my purpose. Into this creative genius of my purpose. And I can. And I can. And I will. And I will. Successfully do. Successfully do. Anything I choose. Anything I choose. To put my hands to. To put my hands to. No matter what. No matter what. I will never quit me. I will never quit me. Today. Today. Right now. Right now. In this moment. In this moment. My only moment. My only moment. I am abundantly attracting. I am abundantly attracting. What I imagine to see. What I imagine to see. No one can redefine me. No one can redefine me. No circumstance. No circumstance. No thing. No thing. Can stop me. Can stop me. Not even you. Not even you. I am attracting. (laughs) I'm attracting. (laughs) The wisdom to persevere. The wisdom to persevere. And I have unwavering confidence. And I have. Of unwavering confidence in who I was created to be, and who I was created to be, and my ability, my ability to attract, to attract, and to manifest, and to manifest anything, anything, and everything, and everything I could ever imagine, I could ever imagine is powerful. It's powerful. It's real. It's real, and it's working now. And it's working now. I don't require the approval of anyone. Mm, I don't require the approval of anyone. I don't need permission. I don't need permission to do anything. To do anything that I desire to do. That I desire to do. No one. Can stop me. No one can stop me. I am a work. I am a work of my creator's art. Of my creator's art. And I am a one of a kind masterpiece. And I am a one of a kind masterpiece. In whom I am gratefully pleased. In whom I am gratefully pleased. I am. I am. Therefore. Therefore. I am. I am. I felt so good to be back in the podcast chair with you, Steve. Well, we have separate chairs. In, in our chairs. Chair. Well, yours is a big enough chair for both <laughs> That's of true. Us. That's true. Um, I wanted to, we forgot at the beginning to let everyone know that we have a concert coming up in Charleston, South Carolina on December 19th. And we have showings available at 5 p.m., 6.30 p.m., and 8 p.m. And you can just go to stephencanyon.com to get all the, the info, the How specs much on fun. That. We're both going to be there, and Miss Maggie is going to be singing and playing a violin yes. along with our Candlelight Orchestra in Charleston, South Carolina, December the 19th. If you are anywhere in the region, please yes. come and say hello to us. Please do. I couldn't, oh, I'm, I know a few KBs are already coming, so I cannot wait to see everyone yeah. there. And that you can find that at stephencanyon.com. And make sure to follow Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Canyon. He's on Facebook, too. That's also at Steve. It's all Stephen Canyon. All Stephen Canyon, all day long. <laughs> it's Maggie Canyon. It's all you. <laughs> you can find us. Sending Stephen out Canyon. so much love and light oh, yeah. to all the KB creators all around the world. We'll, we'll be back here one week from now. I think so. Yeah, okay. Thanks right. as usual, Steve, for all the wisdom. <laughs> Bye.